In July of 2005, a Canadian blogger was sitting at his desk pondering the meaning of life. And he happened to see a red paper clip just laying on his desk. And so he began to wonder how much worth and value does a little red paper clip truly have? So he set out. He was Canadian, so maybe I should say oot. He set oot on a journey. He landed his first trade with a friend. He traded his red paper clip with a fish-shaped pen. Things were looking up for him. That same day, he traded it for a hand-sculpted doorknob. And his trading eventually took him to Massachusetts for a camp stove, California for a generator, New York for a keg of beer and a neon Budweiser sign, Canada for a snowmobile, the snowmobile for a trip for two to the Canadian Rockies, and it continued to get bigger and better. He traded his second spot on the trip for a box truck, and eventually traded that for a recording contract. And he traded that recording contract for a year of rent in Phoenix. His trading eventually got him connected with an American actor and producer who offered a role in one of his upcoming films. And finally, just nine days from a year when he started his journey in July of 2006, he traded that role for a house in Kipling, Saskatchewan, all from a little red paperclip. He kept getting bigger and better offers. I don't have any paperclips with me to trade away, unfortunately, so if you're dying to get one, I'm sorry. You're going to have to stop at Office Max or something. But I have something far more valuable for you than any other red paperclip or any paperclip, and that's the Word of God. Tonight, as we continue our journey through the I Am statements of Christ and John, we look at Jesus saying, I am the Good Shepherd. Jesus makes this claim in John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11 and going through verse 18. Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. And I'll invite you to open your Bibles with me as we see how this shepherd is better, how this shepherd is good, and how this shepherd is great. From John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Reading in Jesus' name. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, and because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Father God, these are your words, and your word is truth. This evening, as we look together at the Good Shepherd, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes to receive the message that you have for us today from your word. Convince us again of the work that you have done for us and through your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus starts this section by claiming to be the good shepherd. And then he defines what it means to be a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
And then in the next two verses, Jesus describes how the good shepherd is fundamentally different from a hired hand. One who can't even begin to be called shepherd, doesn't even deserve to be called shepherd. Jesus says, says here that I am better than a hired hand. Well, what is it that a hired hand does? Many of you already have a pretty good idea of what a hired hand does. Some of you might have been a hired hand while you were going through school or working in the summers, or have hired an extra person to help you get the job done, whether it's on the farm or some work in your house. But that's not what Jesus is referring to here when he says hired hand. He's not talking about the farmhand who cares about his work. He isn't talking about the individual with a certain skill set who's coming over to fix the plumbing in your house. This hired hand is concerned about one thing and only one thing, and that is himself. He makes himself available for hire just to make a buck or whatever else it is that he can get away with. And in verse 12 here, Jesus magnifies his hired hand's character. He says that when danger comes, what does a hired hand do? The hired hand leaves. He has no sense of duty to these sheep. He feels no responsibility towards them. He's just the hired hand. He's not a shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So why should he put his life on the line for something that doesn't belong to him, something that doesn't even benefit him? Something that ultimately, in Jesus, as Jesus says in verse 13, he doesn't care for. And so, he doesn't. He turns tail and he flees. And what happens when this hired hand flees? The wolf snatches and scatters the sheep. The herd disbands and is left to fend for themselves. And it's only a matter of time before they all die off. And it's a terrible thing. The devil is still very much active in isolating the sheep and devouring them. It's one of his most successful tactics. If he can get you to think that you're the only one that struggles with whatever particular sin you struggle with, he'll isolate you from the community that you so desperately need. He'll make you think that you don't belong with the rest of the sheep. He'll make you think that you don't deserve God's grace, and so you abandon the flock, and you abandon the shepherd, or if he can get you to think that you're better than others, or that you know more, or maybe that you've worked harder than anyone else, you're fine on your own, you don't need the others, and you definitely don't need a shepherd or someone to take you by the hand and take care of you, then you don't need God's grace, and the devil's got you right where he wants you. The hired hand cares only for himself. He doesn't pay attention to the needs of the sheep. And here in this passage, Jesus is subtly calling the Pharisees hired hands. They don't care about the very real need of the sheep. They're self-promoters. They aren't pointing people to the Savior. Instead, they're pointing them back to keeping rules and regulations, pointing them back and broadcasting their own self-righteous holiness. But the sheep don't need people to tell them they need to try harder to be perfect. The sheep don't need people to remind them again of the standard that they can never reach. Instead, what the sheep need is a shepherd, not a hired hand. And thankfully, we have a shepherd, a shepherd who is far better than any hired hand you can imagine. And in fact, we have a good shepherd. 
As I mentioned earlier, Jesus describes the work of the Good Shepherd and what the Good Shepherd does. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And after explaining the Good Shepherd is far better than a hired hand, Jesus goes on further to describe the Good Shepherd. And he says, I am the Good Shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. The Good Shepherd intimately knows his sheep. He knows their needs. He knows when they need rest. He knows when they need food. He knows when they need to be prodded. He knows when they need water, when they need to move, when they need to be sheared. The shepherd knows their every need. In the next verse, Jesus goes on to share just how well he knows the sheep. He says this, Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, Jesus, who is intimately known by the Father and who intimately knows the Father, says he knows the sheep, he knows us in the same way. Well, the question comes, how well does God know Jesus? How well does Jesus know God? How well do God the Father and God the Son know one another? Scripture proclaims that they are one, one in mind, one in purpose, one in being. There is nothing on earth that we have possibly to liken this relationship to. It's beyond our comprehension. Yet this is the same depth of knowledge by which the shepherd knows you and everything about you. Suffice it to say that he knows our every need. The ones that you are desperately aware of, and even the ones that you may be completely oblivious to, the good shepherd knows them all which is precisely why the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus mentions laying down his life in verse 11 to begin this section, and then again in verse 15, wrapping up this little expose on how well the sheep are known. And Jesus knows the thing that the sheep need most is for the shepherd to lay down his life. He knows the depth, he knows the depravity of our own sinful condition, that we are children of wrath, enemies of God, sinners through and through. Our Lutheran confessions explain our sin in this way, that since the fall of Adam, all human beings who are born in the natural way are conceived and born in sin. This means that from birth they are full of evil lust and inclination and cannot by nature possess true fear of God and true faith in God. We can't do it. No matter how much we want to, no matter how much we try, we are utterly incapable of doing it. As Luther confesses, I cannot by my own reason or strength come to him or believe in Christ my Lord. We can't do it. This is all because of our sin, the sin that we are born into. Not only is this sin defined as the things that we do against God's will, but even here just the desire to do evil is defined as sin. The desire to break God's laws, to break His commandments. And not to mention the times that we fail to do the things that He has very clearly called us to do. The Good Shepherd knows this about the sheep. He knows your every evil deed. He knows when you fail to obey him, and he knows every evil and wicked desire that you try your hardest to hide from everyone around you, that you try the, your hardest to hide from your own self as well. And so we stand before God 
condemned. There's no way around it. Jesus knows this. And here in this text, he reveals what he will do to solve this problem, what he will do to provide for the sheep. He announces that he will lay down his life for the sheep, that he will give his life for theirs, that the sheep might live freely, that the sin that they incurred for, them, incurred for themselves, the sin that's counted against them, would be dealt with, not by them, but by the good shepherd. And so the good shepherd dies for the sheep. However, this brings another problem for the sheep, doesn't it? What will they do when the shepherd is dead? Who will take care of them? Who will feed them? Who will protect them? A dead shepherd isn't much good for protecting sheep, is he? A dead shepherd can't really protect the sheep. Paul touches on this problem in 1 Corinthians 15, though he uses different terms, but Paul writes this. He says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Having a dead shepherd only delays the destruction that would come to the sheep. Yet the good shepherd still lays down his life for the sheep. Because Jesus isn't just the good shepherd. If I can even refer to it as just the good shepherd, as though that weren't enough. But Jesus is the great shepherd. In the last two verses of our text, Jesus points forward to what the author of Hebrews will call the great shepherd, the one who has risen again from the dead. And Jesus says this, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative, and I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. This good shepherd is truly in a class of his own. No one else could do what he has done. No one could freely lay down their life for the sheep and then also claim to have the authority to raise it up again. But Jesus, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, has the authority to stop being dead and to come alive again. I'm sure each one of you here has known someone who, in your life who has just simply refused to die. They've been near death again and again and again, and miracle after miracle after miracle, they keep coming out, and almost stronger than they were before. They keep fighting and pulling through. But once you're dead, your will stops fighting. No matter how much you desire to live forever, it doesn't matter. When you breathe your last, there's nothing you can do to make yourself alive again. Jesus here doesn't pretend to die. And Jesus here isn't just knocking on death's door. He died. And the good shepherd laid down his life, died, and took it up again. And today is alive. And as he lives today, he continues to call and to gather the other sheep that he mentions in verse 16. The ones that were not of the full that he mentions, first mentions when he first says these words. That Jesus is continuing to be about the work and the business of seeking and saving the lost, regardless of their background. And he unites them with the one holy flock, the communion of saints, the holy Christian church. 
with spans across all national, all linguistic, all chronological boundaries that you can imagine, and is uniting together all who believe in Christ into one holy temple in which he dwells, offering to all the forgiveness of sins. And Peter writes that Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. And in his wounds our sin is healed. But unfortunately, that hasn't stopped you from sinning, has it? Oh, I wish it had. Oh, I wish it had stopped me from sinning as well. We continue to sin. We continue to fail. We continue to stray. Just as the hymn writer said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We, are continue, we continue to be lured by the devil, by the world, by our own evil and wicked, sinful desires to turn away from this good shepherd, the very one who died on our behalf. But the one who died is alive. And the one who died is alive and rules and reigns with the Father in the heavenly places where he sits even now as your advocate so that when we sin, reminding you that your sin has already been covered by his death and resurrection, reminding the Father that, Father, don't hold these sins against them because I have already paid the penalty for those sins. Reminding us that he is the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. And he still meets our needs. And he hasn't left us either. Remember those words that he spoke to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. Behold, I am with you always. As he was raised to new life, he promises to be with us always. And he also promises that we too will be raised to new life. Even the sheep will be resurrected again. That his resurrection was just the first fruits, the down payment, the guarantee that we will also rise again. He came into this world as a sheep, as the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. And in so doing, was intimately acquainted with our every need, our every weakness providing everything that we need and calling all people to himself, regardless of race or nationality or religious identity. And he gave his life as a ransom for the sheep. And he was raised again and he continually sits as our advocate. And through his word and through his spirit, he continues to shepherd the sheep. He continues to meet our needs. He continues to protect us, to sustain us, to give us life, and to give us again the assurance that our sins are forgiven by this, for the sake of Christ. He is the shepherd and the guardian of our souls even today. Jesus indeed is a better shepherd, better than any hired hand you can imagine. He is the good shepherd, and Jesus is the great shepherd. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and we praise you for your love for us, your love for us, which we know by the act of you sending your one and only Son into this world, Lord, who came to die on the cross for our sins, for an evil and sinful people, a people who ought to know better, 
a people, Lord, who sometimes feel like we deserve your grace, that, we're earned, that we are owed your grace. But Lord, we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Over and over again, you freely give us that grace. Thank you for being our advocate for us, for reminding us again of the work that you have done to forgive us of our sins. And Father, I pray that you would be with us as we work alongside you to make yourself known in this world that we live. Lord, that you would continue to call and gather all the sheep, all of the lost, Lord, the ones whom also you have died for. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.